0: And good morning, everyone. Welcome to Small Biz Matters, where you work on your business rather than in it. My name is Alexi Boyd, and we have another fantastic guest today. We're in a bit of a guest fest here on Small Biz Matters on Triple H 100.1 FM. We're going to be talking all things millennials. Now, before I hear you all sigh and gnash your teeth and get all stressed and think, oh, my God, what am I to do with them? Think about what they do bring to your business in terms of a completely different skill set. Now, when we think about millennials, we often think about people who are, I guess, not trained the same way as we are, don't have the same skills, they haven't had the same experience and they really need to go through what I've been through to understand what it means to be in business. And all these thoughts are openly expressed by our small businesses, and yet we don't actually think of them as discriminatory. A thought for another time, perhaps. But before you taint everyone from the generation with the same brush and completely forget what it was like to experience job seeking for the first time at that age, let's get a real perspective in this. Let's learn what it's like for the millennials to work in small business or even to become a small business. With a background in HR across corporate, small business, learning and development, Amy Smith, a millennial workforce specialist, trains the trainers in the corporate world on how to better engage and retain millennial workers. So let's learn from her secrets. Welcome to the show, Amy. Hi, Alexi, thank you so much for having me. It's great to have you on the program. We've been talking about doing this for quite a while, haven't we, because when you look at LinkedIn, which is our little happy, safe place, (laughs) you are the millennials millennial. I mean, you're really the expert and um, you speak about it proudly. You don't hide in a corner or think, oh, I know, I'm, I'm of that generation. I'm of the generation that's difficult and hard to deal with and, and has no attention span or whatever it is that you've heard of. Um, why is it that you're so passionate about um, speaking about the strengths that, that millennials can bring to the workforce and to small business?
1: Yeah, I think, look, when we talk about the generational discussion, right, I think every generation coming through has wanted to do things a bit differently or maybe a little bit better to the generation before them. So that's... Nothing new, But what is new is, like I guess, the context in which we're living in as well with, you know, new technologies and things. It's actually a huge advantage for uh, businesses to be able to embrace their millennial talent, embrace the technology um, and combine the two of them to really set themselves up and future proof their, their businesses and their organisations.
0: And you speak about that as a real strength. You talk about the fact that technology is not... I mean, I I think of myself as quite technology savvy. I mean, we've got about, well, we've got 20 years between us. And I I did grow up with a computer. I mean, (laughs) I did grow up with a keyboard. I had to learn all those things. And yet it's not, I guess, I have to acknowledge the fact that it's not as innate. It's not sort of part of my makeup. And there are parts of my upbringing that didn't involve technology, whereas I guess that's the difference. Millennials have had technology a part of every aspect of their upbringing. Is that what brings the strength to the argument?
1: Yeah, it definitely is, I guess, you know, being sort of, I guess they're referred to as digital natives a lot of the time where they have had to adapt and keep up with changes of technology and, you know, they're sort of setting the pace. I mean, Gen Zs are coming shortly behind as well and when you look at them, like, it's, it's amazing what they're going to be able to do in the workforces too. But, you know, particularly with millennials is that... Um, fast-paced environment that they're used to. They're used to that sort of instant gratification, if you like, where you receive a notification on your phone and you get that hit of dopamine and that's just sort of commonplace. And so when you put these, um, you know, millennials into environments and working environments where things are a little bit slower, things are a little bit more rigid, things, you hear things like, you know, you need to earn your stripes or this is the way that we've always done things that's a huge huge gap in in mindset in expectations
0: um, and it causes quite a bit of friction are we talking about bringing these two mindsets together or have we got have millennials got one expectation that um, you know we have to change we have to evolve we have to come out of you know being dinosaurs and and become more digitally native or is it that 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 The small business or that the millennials are the ones who have to slow it down, who have to learn that you're not going to be appreciated at every turn of the way. I mean, where is it? Is it a middle ground that we're trying to achieve here? Yeah, look, absolutely, there's no right or wrong. You know, I think when the generational discussion
1: comes up, people get naturally quite defensive around their own generation and isn't that um, weird. It is weird, it (laughs) is. But you'd be surprised at you know some of the comments when it's really looking at bridging the gap and coming together because everyone brings, even like from an individual level, everyone brings brings um, strengths and talents and things that need to be ignited in the workforce and so we're looking at ways that you know you can leverage the expertise you know of the baby boomers that have been through the trenches in the workforce and then you're looking at you know the way that millennials are seeing things and how we're shifting the ways that we're working and we're looking at more remote work we're looking at more you know becoming more flexible by nature and it's about how do we bridge those two together Mm. to make the most effective workplace and make it a culture where everyone wants to be there as well and there's not that us versus them mentality um, because I think that's the default for a lot of people is to just lean into the stereotypes and the assumptions when you need to actually look beyond that and actually think well you know are they just being entitled or are they asking to work remotely for a reason like is this actually Of benefit to the business. Is it going to save me time? Is it going to save me money? And so it's kind of like not stopping at the stereotypes and
0: and looking beyond. And you did bring up the Mm -hmm, E-word, you know, that mm -hmm. that, that entitlement. Oh yeah. I think that's something that's bandied around quite a bit when it comes to uh, labelling um, one generation over another. Um, Is that justified? Really? If you really sat down and looked at, (laughs) I'm going to say it, your generation, but if you really sat down and looked at it, Do you think that's a justified assumption with your experience in HR looking from one generation to the other?
1: I think it's a difference in values and that's when it comes up as well because I think from a millennial perspective as well, what others see as entitlement, we see as wanting to learn and continually develop ourselves at probably a faster pace than what people have done previously. So it's not necessarily, you know, you you hear stories all the time of, of millennials starting a job and within two weeks they're asking for a promotion, right? And it's not necessarily about the promotion as such, it's more so about, I want to know if I'm able to continue to grow and develop here. Uh, on an ongoing basis, and if those needs aren't being met, because that's what I value as a as a person, then I'm going to look somewhere, look for somewhere that actually is going to meet that value and meet that need for me. So it's more so looking at, okay, it might not be in the form of a, a formal promotion that they're after, and they're coming across as very entitled. But it's kind of asking the question, well, why? Why are they asking for this? You know, is it because they're naturally maybe a little bit more entrepreneurial and they're kind of thinking about different ways that the business might be able to run um, a little bit more. More efficiently or better um, and so it's kind of just asking the question why and thinking and not just jumping straight to the pushback of oh that's just entitlement and I'm not going to give them what they want because it's, it's not about pandering to millennials needs it's about learning from what they're asking for and seeing if it, there's a business case around it if it's of benefit.
0: And no generation is going to walk into the room and go I want le- more learning and development, I want more um, opportunities, I want to know that I'm going to be getting a pay rise. I guess that communication might differ slightly. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, it's not as though for the last 50 years, people have walked into their bosses' offices and demanded anything. That's yep. not what's happening. I think you're absolutely right. It's reading into it. It's, it's teasing out the why are they asking this question? Is it because they're frustrated? Mm-hmm. Is it because they have to know that at some point yep. this is going somewhere? Yep. And what, what in your mind do you think is the definition of going somewhere for a millennial? Because I think What you said before about values very different to what our values were.
1: Yeah, yeah. So I was working with a large educational institution um, at the start of this year, and what we found is that when we uh, surveyed a whole bunch of the staff, and we looked at baby boomers and we looked at the millennials, right? The you know the question of what is the most important aspect to you about your work came up. Majority of baby boomers answered it gives me a salary and it allows me to. To pay my bills, Be right? comfortable, and be comfortable. comfortable. I don't think millennials
0: yeah. use the word comfortable, no. do they?
1: <laughs> Unless you're sitting at home ordering Uber Eats and yeah. you want to be comfortable, that's, yeah. that's probably the context we use it in. Yeah. <laughs> um, and for millennials, it was that they wanted to live um, up to their full potential and they wanted to develop themselves. And so they're actually looking at work more as an extension of themselves, not just a place where you come and go and you get a paycheck. So that's the real key difference that's happening is that they're wanting to know that... That wherever I choose to work that's a reflection on me, that's a reflection on my identity and it's at that level that they're
0: coming from in terms of when they're looking at um, different ways they want to develop and learn. Is that risky? Is that risky long term? Because I think um, I think of uh, I think of the, the, the feminism movement, and yep. I think of when I started work. And my mother was she was amazing. She was such a hard worker, and she mm. <laughs> she pushed through that whole Me Too thing. And boy, did she! I mean, everyone who lived in that generation and worked in the corporate world really did, yep. and was a trailblazer in that way. Um, and I think. <laughs> I guess in a way you know where we have a different set of values because of because of the history of things, but there was a risk at that stage where you defined yourself as your work, maybe more because of um, uh, financial reasons. Mm. but are we running a risk of another generation defining themselves as work and therefore losing a sense of who they are outside of it, or do you think millennials are better at finding that balance?
1: Yeah, well, I mean, the key word there is balance, right? I mean, everyone talks about having this work-life balance. Um, In my mind, and I know for a lot of the people that I coach as well, it's more about a work-life integration approach because really, like, what is the balance anymore? Mm. We're on our phones going to work. We'll be reading emails on the train heading into work. We'll be, you know, taking calls. Like, I was at an engagement party recently and uh, one of my friends, you know, had his phone out. I was like, what are you doing? We're having a good time. Like, put your phone away. Even millennials say that, right? And then... um, (laughs) And um, he was checking his Slack notifications, which was coming through from his work. So because we're working, you know, people overseas and everything on different time zones work never stops. And so it's up to ourselves to set boundaries Mm. around our work. Mm. It has to come from an individual level now Mm. because, you know, the organisation in terms of heading to work and going to work nine to five and then coming home and then switching off completely on the train and then never having to talk to anyone at work until you walk in the office the next day, those days have gone. So it's up to you um, as an individual to sort of find your identity outside of work and how the two blend together um, and then really setting up some good boundaries for yourself as well.
0: It's some really gra- great, practical tips because I think that that is, I think that's that's not something that millennials have caused because they're not the ones who are running the companies or setting the um, the ethos and the culture. They're walking into this culture of twenty four seven work, that's so right. they didn't create that. Uh, so I think what's interesting is some really practical tips on setting some boundaries, and this isn't just for your millennial workers. Yeah. This is for everyone, right? Absolutely. Yep. So what would be some really good strategies for if you're a small business owner and you want to um, assist? I guess, your workforce from turning off? I mean, they need to be able to switch off. What is What are some really great strategies that you give to your clients to help everybody just, you know, move away from the work culture 24-7?
1: Yeah. Well, I think, you know, you need to normalise flexible work as a, as a start. So, you know, it used to be seen remote work or flexible work. You can separate the two. A lot of people, you know, throw them in the same basket. But um, it means that, you know, people are actually... Um, not able to to switch off and so you need to set those boundaries up in what that actually means and how that's defined in the workplace as well and making it more of a normalised practice as well. It's not a privilege anymore, like it is just the way we need to be working Mm. and It is, you know, moving forward, that's even going to be more so of the case. Like right now in the US, around 50% of US workers are working remotely some point through the week. So that might be one or two days, but at some point they're not in the office, they're working remotely. And so that needs to be a normalised part of the culture and there needs to be some, you know, good expectations and boundaries around that. One might be, you know, even on a very granular, like, practical level, having in your email signature around, um, like, when you're working and say that I work flexibly, it doesn't mean that you need to work, you know, flexibly or to my hours. So, if I send you an email at 2am because it suits me, that's when I prefer to work, it doesn't mean that you need to respond straight away. It means that you've got, you know, you, you respond to me in your own time in your own, you know, boundaries of work. So there's little things like that, I think, that um, on a real practical level can come out and ultimately it stems from the top, you know, setting the example around, you know, if you're CEO and, you know, you're having a day off for self-care, then your employees see that and think, Oh, like they take a breath because they're like, oh, that's acceptable or I need to start scheduling that in as well, which, you know, reduces burnout and boosts productivity and all those great things, right? Mm. So it does have to come from the top and there's there's some practical elements that you can
0: um, normalise throughout your culture. I also like it when, um, and this happens a lot more in the corporate world, or we are seeing it trickle through to smaller, speci- especially tech companies, where they're enabling people to have uh, X number of days off in a year to do some charity work. Yes. That's actually paid leave. Yes. Now that's lovely. That's that's real. That would be, you know, I would love to run a company that had enough money to be able to do that kind of expectations. But if you set that as a goal, if maybe you talk to your staff and go, hey, guys, let's work to this. Let's work to this level. Let's get to this level of profitability and we will earn that and let's do that and do some giving back. So you're absolutely right. I mean, part of it is just having that discussion, the Mm. open discussion. I really like what you were saying at the beginning of the program about um, the why. Why is it that people are asking for these what we feel as though are entitlements they're Mm -hmm. not they're just they're just flexibility they're just asking about it (laughs) and you know that email signature I think we can all switch off the please don't print out this email and save the trees (laughs) I think we've got past that but maybe we all need to have like a little a little resting person just going "Uh, please understand that I work flexibly uh, Mm -hmm. that you may see or whatever it is just a little email signature if we all did that we would change the entire work culture overnight yeah Great top tip from Small Biz Matters. We are on Small Biz Matters on Triple H 100.1 FM live across the radio airwaves and later through the community radio network. You're listening to Small Biz Matters with Alexi Boyd. We'll be back with Amy Smith after this. So today we are talking to Amy Smith. Amy is a millennial expert, and when I say that, I mean she really. Is a millennial, but more than that, she actually uh, consults to corporate and consult consults to businesses and coaches people through an understanding of how to better engage with her workforce, how to retain talent, um, and how to compete with the big boys. Now, Amy, let's talk about um, the difficulty that small businesses face with really. I guess selling themselves to millennials when it comes to um, advertising what their what the what the benefits are to joining a small business as opposed to joining a big four bank or you know one of the top four accounting firms or whatever it is. How do we possibly compete with what they can offer, um, and what, how can we set ourselves apart in terms of you know development and growth that the small that the millennial can, can get from us.
1: Yeah, absolutely. So I think with a lot of um, small business, you know, the hardest thing is you you wear so many hats and you try and do everything and you're trying to keep the lights on at the same time as you're trying to just go through business as usual, right? So some of that strategic sort of level stuff is a little bit harder to get together. However, I think a lot of small businesses sort of give up before they've even begun too, because they actually do have quite a lot of different advantages that they can offer um, employees coming through, particularly with millennials that are looking for that career development as pretty much their number one right so if you think about you know joining the big fours or you know all these other big um, conglomerate organizations one of the things that really attracts a lot of these millennials and young graduates is their graduate programs and the ability to learn and the ability to sort of taste different departments there's no reason why you can't do that in a small business if anything you've got more flexibility um, and you're more agile to be able to offer different elements of that as well and even create, you know, your own mini sort of graduate program to start feeding people through, right, on a different level. Um, Social media is a massive one that small businesses miss out on because, you know, that is the way to communicate with millennials and Gen Zs coming through, is through social media. So, if you're not showing your culture, if you're not expressing, um, you know, the different things that you're doing via LinkedIn or Facebook or Instagram, and you're kind of giving people a taste of what it is like to work there, um, that is that is gold, you know, because that is what millennials buy into because they want that transparency. Um, they actually have a really high level of distrust with organisations and feeling that they're sold into these, you know, big, shiny, bright roles and then they get in there and it's not what they expected at all. So if you can bring the transparency, if you can build that trust early on, um, you, you'll have really loyal
0: millennial employees. And in terms of that that practical nature, um, are you suggesting that you need to start, uh, I guess, building a social media presence about your work culture before you engage with them? So almost see it as a lead in time. I mean, this is the big problem with small business. We yep. hire when we absolutely desperately need it That's and we're right. working like 72 hours a day and, yep. and we, we need someone to take over and we don't have time to train them. That is our, one of our biggest foibles. Yep. Uh, so maybe all of you out there are thinking, oh, maybe in the next 12 months I might take on a couple of new stuff. Mm-hmm. This is the point that you start advertising how great a place it is to work. Now, how do you do that? Because I see a lot of really bad posts with stock photography and people going, oh, it's great to see people shaking hands and working with, you know, full photography makeup. that's not your workplace, is it? So how do you do it? What's some good ways to engage with millennials before you think about hiring them?
1: Yeah. Look, I think the the biggest thing, this word gets thrown around, but authenticity. I mean, you've got to keep it real. Like millennials will see through anything very quickly. (laughs) Stock
0: photography. It's like, they've got got an app in their head that goes, oh, that is so stock photography.
1: Exactly. So you need to keep it real. Like ultimately, whether you're in sales or marketing or hiring or recruiting anything, people buy into people. Like people want to feel connected. People want to believe belong to somewhere that's bigger than themselves they want to be a part of something particularly for millennials they want to make an impact they want to be you know a part of this journey they want to know your vision they want to know where you're heading um, and they want to be a part of that so you need to share that with them because otherwise you'll be the best kept secret out there right and so by continually doing that it's the consistency um, that wins ultimately um, is because you know as you said, you're going to need staff yesterday. Like when someone leaves, like you're in panic mode, right? And then you hire too quickly. You don't go through the proper... checks and qualify people effectively. And so then you're, you know, next minute you're, you know, getting rid of that person and bringing someone new on and you're in this cycle all of the time. But when you have this consistent presence online and people are reaching out to you and they're asking you, hey, sounds like it's really cool to work there. I'd love to know, you know, what opportunities you've got coming up and what's available. Then you're building up that talent pipeline so that when you're ready um, and
0: you're sort of building that, that pipeline up so that you've got people all of the time coming through. That's a great tip. I love that idea because I I can't imagine, well, I mean, you had to be pretty entrepreneurial and pretty out there 25 years ago to go, have you got any jobs going at the moment? And often we would do that from shop windows or we would do that from, hey, this looks like a really cool place to work. Millennials, I guess, are looking for this sort of thing online. Mm -hmm. And what a lovely compliment to have Mm. somebody approach you and go, "Um, you know, you look like you've really got everything together and, and and you look like a really great place to work, can I come and work with you?
1: Yep, yep. People, people are asking for jobs through Instagram direct message. That is commonplace right now. So, you know, if you're not there, if you don't have a presence there, you're almost you know, not relevant to them because they're looking at everyone else that
0: does. Mm. Um, that That's your competitors as well. So, And the secondary benefit to having a great social media presence is that you have a great social media presence. Absolutely. Like never yeah. mind employing people, you're actually doing this and your clients are seeing it and yep. your potential clients and investors and all these people are saying, hey, look, this looks like a really cool and and it doesn't have to be your traditional, like a, a butcher can do this. Yeah, absolutely. You know, a plumber can do this really well. What are your, you know, you're all going out for a Christmas party. Hey, we've got a great Christmas party today or, oh, it's really hot so I'm going to send everybody home early or whatever it is, nice stuff that you do for your staff just to create that culture.
1: Yep. I know a, a builder that runs his whole business through Instagram. And he is posting, you know, his projects and things like that and, you know, all of his workers, they, you know, have plenty of places that they can go and contract to as a builder but he gets the cream of the crop in terms of the talent out there because they are actually seeing the projects that he's working on, the houses that he's building and they say, I want to be a part of that.
0: Mm -hmm. So let's talk about, you know, you've got got the advertising thing happening. Uh, You've hopefully, and I think this is a really good point when you start to engage with perhaps a coach or someone in HR with that experience, particularly if you are aiming for this generation, is it is that the best point perhaps to start um, getting some support when you're actually going through the interview process and, and choosing people? Because, I mean, I'll speak for myself, I, I, I would never touch HR with a barge pole because I think everybody's great. I think they're all wonderful. I think they're great. They've got so much potential, so much capability. Yeah. I'm a terrible judge of character. <laughs> so how do you as a small business person who's never had that experience, never interviewed anyone, um, is that a good point to engage with someone t- for support?
1: Yeah, it definitely is. I mean, what you find in small business as well is usually they hire through gut feel and gut feel alone, right? And exactly like you said, you know, (laughs) I'm just hiring this person because they smiled at me and they're nice. (laughs) And, you know, that might be true and they might be fantastic at what they do or they just might be really good at interviewing and then you get them into the role and then it turns out... They don't know anything that they're doing. You don't have time to train them. You want someone and you need people to hit the ground running. You know, if anything, it's more important to hire correctly in a small business than a larger business because you don't have the time, the capability and the skills around you to support that person to grow and and catch up. So, you know, it is a great time to actually get some processes and systems in place because what you'll find too is that when you're having a bit of a meltdown or you're having a bit of one of those days and maybe you're um, in the middle of of finishing something up with a client and then you go to ring a new candidate that's applied for a job and then in your head you're thinking, well, what questions do I ask them? I don't even know. But if you've got, you know, some consistent questions that are there written out for you and you've got those systems in place that you can just grab and go um, and implement those, it actually makes it a lot faster and you feel more supported and you feel more in control as well Mm. um, when you've got those things around you to support you. And could
0: I ask us, well with um uh, uh, is small business allowed to flip it on its head is it expected and understood by millennials i feel like i'm talking to another species in your species (laughs) is it expected that they you get the fact that people are going to look through your internet history like is that understood now because i think there was a there was a there was a period of time there where people went oh my i'm not getting jobs because there's some really bad partying photos up there of me online uh, is that understood that that is going to be checked these days? Do you think that it forms part of the process when you're looking for work as a millennial? Yeah, it absolutely needs to be. Like, I'm
1: brutally honest with the people that I coach. Like, 94% of recruiters will look someone up online before they view their resume. So but if, does small business do it? Small business, maybe, maybe not. It's hard to know. Like, everyone's different, right? Mm-hmm. But The thing is that I think a lot of people will do it by default as well. If you think about small businesses, more so you might be um, hiring through referrals a lot of the time as well or it might be, you know, so-and-so knows, you know, his son that's looking for a job, you should hire them, right? And so you have that association with the family and then you might... You know, search up that family member on Facebook, and then you find the son, and then you have a bit of a look around. So some might go to that length, some might not. Um, it depends how savvy people are on social media. Mm. Um, but I definitely, you know, for the millennials out there, like it is up to you to take control of your own career. Like no one is going to forge your own path, so you need to do it, and you need to clean up your act on social media. That's my <laughs> my tough line right there, um, because you know it is a reflection of your personal brand. It's a reflection of you professionally and personally, um, and there's no hiding from it. Anymore anymore. You mm. know, you can't, you know, there used to be the sense that you could have your work self and your weekend yeah, self. Nah. That
0: does not exist no. anymore. Welcome to the world of digital natives. Exactly. Like if you buy into that, you are a hundred percent in, you can't exactly. switch and change. Yep. Wouldn't it be great though if they, we went back in time and, and somehow convinced Facebook to, can I just have a a professional me and a personal <laughs> yeah. me and I get to pick and choose who sees what. Yep, yep. Yeah, they were never going to allow that, were they? Too much work. So <laughs> once, the, um, once the job is accepted and we're talking about role definition, uh, is that important for a millennial? You mentioned before that in a lot of cases, uh, you know, they're looking for satisfaction beyond just the remuneration package. Does that also involve an evolution of the job itself? Because obviously we've got, you know, I mean, half the time small businesses are just cut and pasting from somebody else's ad what the Mm -hmm. job requires. Mm -hmm. They're not even having time to think about that. Is that really important to understand what the job entails because that's what a millennial's looking for?
1: Yeah, absolutely. I think, you know, setting those expectations right up front is crucial from both ends, right? So I know in recruitment conversations, usually there's a lot of unsaid information that goes on, right? You have a someone that comes in for a job interview, they're looking for a job, they're looking for a paycheck, they're looking for, you know, to make an impact or whatever their drivers are. Um, and then you've got the em- employer that's saying, I need a bum on a seat because I've got work on and I need, you know, to have this, this happening. Um, but all the inside stuff doesn't really get... Um, Said in terms of, okay, where is this going to lead to? How can I help you grow professionally and personally? Um, From the millennial side of things, like, what is my role? What is not my role in this business? And how can I support you as a business owner to get where you need to be and for us to together hit our mission and our vision of of ultimately where we're heading, right? Sometimes small business owners don't even have that articulated, which is another conversation. But, you know, th- that's the sort of conversation on a deeper level you need to get to right up front um, before you even decide to work together so that you know a bit of a path moving forward. Um, you know exactly the, the steps that both parties need to make in order to make it work.
0: And, and that's another another great word, conversation. It's yeah. not a dictation. It's, that's it. It's what do you want from this role? Okay, I've got some broad... And be honest, you know, yeah. I've got some broad, you know, job description that I found off the, off, off the internet. Yep. So how can we make this better? How could you? What it. can you bring to the role? What would you like to see doing? Yep. One of the things I think um, small business really fails at as uh, a job progresses is learning and development. Mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm. We forget that it's actually mandatory to offer some training and support in that way to our employees. We completely forget about that. Mm. It's actually part of the fair work statement, people. So is that uh, a great way that millennials can inject... Um, that expectation into the whole workforce and say, look, we want to grow, we want to develop. So how does a millennial or how does a small business owner open up that conversation? What's the best best practical tip for that?
1: Yeah, I guess, we're, firstly, having the conversation. Um, I don't think a lot of small businesses have conversations enough one-on-one with their staff in terms of check-in to see how things are going. How and frequently would you say that needs to happen? with your, like, direct support, so say, I guess, your um, version of the executive team, like your general managers and things, should be once a week... Um, to have that check-in to see how their team members are going as well. And then maybe it might not be you as the owner having conversations with the um, employees down below, but it might be your general manager making sure that, you know, once a week or at least once a fortnight, you're checking in to provide some feedback as well because millennials do thrive on feedback um, in order to help them grow as well. So <laughs> when you said thrive on feedback,
0: my brain immediately went to the ribbon at the athletics carnival that said, I ran a race. Oh, I mean, we're, yes, not, we're yes. not talking <laughs> like that, but you do. Uh, look, I Look, I will admit I'm one of those people that thrives on recognition and appreciation and that's okay that's that's everyone is on a human level people need to feel valued at work
1: Mm. like regardless of your generation people need to feel psychologically safe they need to feel like their work is contributing to something they're making a difference or they're making an impact um and so you know it doesn't have to be you know when we're talking about these discussions it doesn't have to be a formal sit down let's have a performance management check-in it is a 10 minute hey I really liked what you did in that meeting last week. If you could do more of that next time, that'd be awesome. Like, that is as simple as it needs to be. But just having those lines of communication open. So, um, and when it comes to, like, the learning and development side of things... I think small business as well default to it's going to cost me a lot of money. Yeah. It needs to be um, a formal course like a TAFE course or a university course or something and it's, it gets put in the too hard basket, right? What they're not thinking about is learning and development can have many different forms, right? And so it's on the job training as much as anything. Um, something that's working really, really well for a lot of um, bigger organisations which can just as much be implemented in a small business is the concept of reverse mentoring, so it's actually where um, millennials are reverse mentoring um, some of the more experienced workers there on some of the new technologies and new trends that are coming through. And it doesn't need to be confined to technology. It just might be, you know, their own perspective on different ways of working, um, which is actually being able to make sure that, you know, they're working more efficiently or more productive and they're kind of, they want to learn that stuff as well. Hmm. Um as well as, you know, your formal sort of mentoring, which is where you have someone that's been in the business for years and years and years, and they're able to
0: really help um, that millennial really kickstart and, and get going. I love that idea. It's like the concept of one-on-ones. Yeah. Like we get from our networking groups, as we're always told, to go and have one-on-ones with each other. Yeah. What a great idea. It's an, and it's so easy to implement. And yeah. uh, staff nothing. Yes. Yeah, Just time. Nothing. Yeah. And staff can learn from one another. Yep. And I guess in a, in a more structured program as well, um, and this can be part of the advertising package when you're Trying to get talent in the first place um, is you can say you get to learn from not only myself but people who have been with the business for a lot of years, um, and you wouldn't have access to that in a corporate structure because you just wouldn't get to the head person at all.
1: Absolutely. Um, You know, people want a coach, not a boss. So people want to know that they're growing, they want to have some goals set for them and stretch goals and all those sorts of things, which is of benefit to the business, right? If you can set a target and say, you know what? Go hit that, and then
0: you know there is a reward at the end of it. Like that's a win-win. So it is exactly what you said. Yeah, fantastic. and We're going to take a quick break here on Small Biz Matters, and when we come back with Amy, we're going to talk a little bit more about um, what to do when you've got a millennial in the role, and um, maybe a little bit more of a discussion around the disconnect between the two and how we can come together to find a middle ground between the generations. You are listening to Triple H one hundred point one FM with Alexi Boyd and Small Biz Matters. I'll be back after this. Welcome back to Triple H 100.1 FM. This is Alexi Boyd with Small Biz Matters live on Triple H and across the community radio network. We are talking all things millennials and today's program has been all about retaining, engaging, um, attracting the talent that can really help your business grow. What are the strengths that millennials can bring to your business and what strengths can they learn from you, Uh, which is, of course, what we do so well as small businesses when we wear many, many hats. If you have missed any of today's program, you can, of course, catch up via Triple H 100.1 FM on our recorded broadcast and on smallbizmatters.com.au and across wherever you get your podcasts. Now, Amy, we're talking about millennials. We're talking about engaging with them. You have a background in HR and corporate training specifically in this um, in this manner. You also do some coaching for small businesses as well. Now, once the millennial is in the role, you found the perfect person, you're thrilled, you're so excited, they're excited because they want to grow and learn and develop. Um, what would be your top strategies for making sure that they remain within your business and they, I guess they keep, um, I don't want to say active, but they keep engaged? How do you keep that that generation that supposedly has a four-second attention span, how do you keep them engaged in your business and what you do?
1: Yeah. I think the, the biggest distinction uh, with millennials is they're quite entrepreneurial, right? So right, like even people working, like 30% of millennials will have some sort of a side hustle or 67% of millennials are actually thinking about starting their own business, but just have not done that yet, right? Which is quite alarming for a lot of businesses. So I think there's a lot of organizations and particularly small businesses out there that get quite blindsided by millennials that just up and leave and they don't have any sort of reason for it when in fact, you know, they've just got their own different entrepreneurial drivers perhaps. So I think one of the biggest things that organisations and small business can do to keep millennials is to give them some ownership. Ownership around their own sort of projects, ownership around pieces of the puzzle, doesn't need to be everything, but pieces of the puzzle that they can actually drive
0: like they would as if they're running their own business. Top tip. That's fantastic. So it's almost like you're making them feel as though they're really engaged to the point that, if you leave then oh I don't want to say it's guilt but if if you don't continue this is such a project of your own that if mm-hmm. you don't finish it that, that the business is never going to have that project which is part of your vision as well as ours that's exactly right and having that combined vision around
1: you know setting them up so that exactly right there's a time frame and there's you know you wanting to see it right through to the end because then you actually see I guess the for want of a better term the fruits of your labor and the impact that you've made and all those great things so they get you know a real sense of pride from that as as well, um, rather than just being in a business where the business owner says, you work for me because I pay you a salary, right? It's a Mm. completely different feeling that they get.
0: Mm. And and I would say as well that um, a lot of you out there were thinking, oh, okay, if there's a millennial, then they're going to come to the business. I can give them an app to build. Not everybody (laughs) born within a certain generation is going to be completely ridiculously tech savvy. You need to think outside the box of uh, tech innovation innovation is not just tech absolutely you know innovation yeah. can be a new way of thinking when you're dealing with your clients mm-hmm. or mm-hmm. it can be um uh, look even i'm struggling to think of it what's what's some other ways that that millennials can really inject some new innovation into a business?
1: Oh, just looking at the systems and processes of the business and how things have been run in the past um, might be great. It might be comfortable. It might be what people are used to. Um, but sometimes you need to disrupt these things in order to grow. So, you know, having some fresh eyes, whether that be a millennial or anyone coming into your organisation, in, in fact, is great to have some fresh eyes on it. Um, but there was a, a client of mine working with uh, in, in sales, And one of the most frustrating things for her in her role was, you know, she was uh, calling executives all day, practically cold calling executives all day. You know, these people are time poor. They're very hard to get a hold of. So she's playing phone tag with people, you know, three or four days in a row. She went to her manager and she said, look... I think it'd be really great if we could just get a scheduling system, like a Calendly or an Acuity or something, right? Seems very simple, very cost-effective for the business. And the manager said, no, 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 just keep going. Just keep going the way you're going. Mm. And so for her, it was super frustrating because she's thinking, I'm trying to save you my time. I can spend four days a week phone tagging people if you like or we can just get people to book in a time and I can call them in one day and move on to you know doing some other things so it's things like that I think when you know people um, are very quick to shut down new ideas they're very quick to I guess as human beings we're very very quick to demonize things that we don't understand ourselves we haven't actually experienced ourselves so I think sometimes it's It's, you know, when something is brought up from a millennial or or someone else even just broadly in your staff to, you know, actually think, huh, like just pause for a minute and think, huh, hold on a minute. Is this something that could work? How would it work? And actually just go through a bit of a process to
0: um, to look at it before you dismiss it. And also, I guess, giving projects to the team and saying, look, I'm pretty or even listening and saying, okay well, that's been identified as being something that's not quite working. Let's talk about it as a team and and can you all go away and and think about how you can improve the Mm. process? And I think even those smaller projects are something that that maybe millennials will be really happy to sink their teeth into.
1: Absolutely. And I think um, when talking about small businesses specifically, um, that's something that they struggle with is that control because usually the owner is very much involved in the business. It's usually the fact that I need to have eyes on everything. I need to touch and feel everything that goes through the business. And they create their own bottlenecks in that process without just having... Having this implicit trust in their employees to get on with it and actually deliver results, maybe even in a bigger and better way than they could do themselves. Yeah. God forbid.
0: <laughs> <laughs> and that's absolutely true because it's it's one of the the foibles of small businesses that uh, we have done everything ourselves for so long. Yep. Employing anyone, regardless of their age, yep. is is a process of letting go. Absolutely. And um, you have to almost do some soul searching and think about what bits are. And but that that's part of the process of hiring people. Yeah. You have to sit sure. down and think. What is it that I need help with? What yep. can I let go of? What can I implement? Yep. Do you think? Let, let's talk about the future a little bit now. I mean, um, obviously, there's a different way of thinking when millennials work into the role. Uh, as as someone popped up on LinkedIn, I'm the millennial that takes over. Um, what did he say? The old fogies' businesses or something, which <laughs> wasn't in the little at right. least bit offensive. Uh, <laughs> yeah. But um, do we need to fear? the millennials, is this, what do you see the future as being for small business? Is it better innovation? Is it better tech? Is it better digitized? What is it that the millennials are going to do to, I guess, grow the biggest part of the economy and that being small business?
1: Yeah, I think people, you know, get scared of these millennials, you know, coming through, but the reality is they're already here, right? (laughs) Millennials are pretty well in a lot of higher level management roles now, right? Typical age of millennials right now is between 22 to 38 or 39 years old. Right. So... A lot of people are still thinking that they're coming through. They should be thinking about that for Gen Zs, right? Yeah, That's yeah. a whole new ball game. But with Millennials as well, they are driving things and driving the technology changes that need to happen and are going to happen. I think regardless whether you move forward with it or not, um, because you know when we look at you know future of work, everyone's sort of scared and everyone goes into the the fear of you know robots are going to steal my jobs and all these things that that you know you hear. Um, and the reality is that it's actually an advantage for us as humans because. Because it means that we get to do more meaningful work. That's what everyone's craving. That's what millennials crave the most. Is don't want to be doing menial, re- repeatable tasks that you know technology or an AI you know can handle for us. We want to be doing um, the things that only humans can do. You know, the conversations, bringing out, you know, developing our soft skills, all of those sorts of things. So it's actually an advantage to to be on that. And I think millennials are in the driver's seat of
0: of making a lot of those changes moving forward. So. They're already in the workforce, They're mm-hmm. past the point, most of them, of, of being trained and, and being educated, although we're already always continually educating ourselves. Yeah. Where has the failure been that the, the governments and, and legislators can learn from, from, this, from the generation of millennials that needs to be implemented for the generations to come? And what I guess I'm guiding the question towards is... have millennials not been trained properly in terms of emotional intelligence and engagement that can be done better for generations after them? What's your opinion on that? How long have you got, Alexi? (laughs) (laughs) I've got got nine minutes precisely, actually. But I know this is a big question, but with you being an expert, um, and we're seeing it, we're seeing it in the education space, we're seeing it in NAPLAN results, we're seeing it all over the place. There is a failure, a systemic failure Mm -hmm. of governments to bring people through education that are workplace ready. Yep, there is
1: a huge gap between the
0: education um,
1: that we've been provided through schools and, and universities and the really traditional style education, um, and being workplace ready. Huge gap. Um, I even picked up a textbook. You know, I. I did the whole go to uni, you know, followed followed what everyone else was doing, went to uni, um, you know, was the right thing to do for me. Um, but I looked back at, you know, one of my old textbooks and I looked through it and I thought, I have never used this once. This mm. is a HR textbook. I've never, ever used this once in any of my HR roles moving forward, right? Very theoretical. Like I craved the practicality. So I think there is a massive disconnect between teaching the theories of what actually you know, they ne- needs to happen, or theoretically, what should happen, and what actually goes on. So, I think, yeah, it's it's definitely a
0: major room for improvement there. You speak about the entrepreneurial spirit mm. um, and and the craving to be able to have meaning in what it is that they do on a daily basis. Are they trained enough in terms of business acumen to understand what it means to run a business in Australia or anywhere in the world for that matter? Is that are they coming out with that sort of training, or is that another another space that's lacking out of the universities and, and tertiary education?
1: Yeah, I think what we're seeing now to to sort of bridge the gap in a lot of things these things is short courses that are available and things that are sort of keeping up with today's pace. I think the hardest thing for, this is not a knock against traditional education because it does have its place, but the hardest thing is being able to keep up and remain relevant when you're creating a three or four year degree, right? And then by the end of that three or four year degree, now we're seeing so many changes that happen within those years. It's impossible to, you know, be able to stay always on the front foot mm. um, and so I think when it comes to um, the education and learning that business acumen side of things you know millennials need to take ownership of that as well because not everything is going to be handed to you. You need to be a lifelong learner. You need to go out and find the information that you need yourself too. I think uh, one of the expectations that is sort of uh, being set up for our generation was that you know you go to um, go through high school. If you go to uni then that's a big deal and you'll be set for life once you've uni and all your learning is done once you've got that piece of paper when in fact that is only the beginning and if not yeah there's so much more to do once you've finished that degree so I think it's a mindset shift with the millennial generation in that you need to do more <laughs> yeah. you need to you need to keep pushing and if there's things you don't know you need to find out who knows them and you need to ask you need to research you know that's one thing that they will do is they will you know do a lot of their own research online but you know it's a, it's a
0: responsibility on them as much as, as it is on the system too And and I like the fact that small business can offer that Absolutely. going back to what we're talking about you know retaining and looking for talent that is something big that small business that big business can't offer yep is that you know Depth of knowledge and the understanding on how it, what it is to actually run a business, what does it mean to hire someone, what does it mean to mm-hmm. do a BAS, mm-hmm. what does it mean bookwork, you know, yep. receipts, all that stuff, yep. that becomes innate knowledge that we don't realise that we've had. It's not really till you sit down, and there in itself is the opportunity for learning and development for the next generation. So maybe, as well as being the engine room of the economy and the, Australia's biggest employer, we're also going to be Australia's biggest trainer because yeah, we're the educators. ones who are bringing the next one generation up and coming
1: yep absolutely
0: look amy i'd like to thank you so much for coming on small biz matters this has been uh, just a, a wealth of, of knowledge and a really interesting discussion about how small businesses can engage with retain and and i guess um not necessarily hang on to but but learn from one another keep the, as you said the conversation open and going how can people find out more about you amy
1: Yeah. um, LinkedIn, you can find me, Amy Lauren Smith on LinkedIn. I'm also on Facebook and Instagram at Align Tribe. um, And my website
0: is aligntribe.com. Fantastic. Look, thank you so much for coming on the program. Any of you have missed today's program, you can of course catch up via smallbizmatters.com.au where you can find over 140 podcasts just like this one dedicated to small business education and advocacy Uh, and if you'd like to perhaps come on the program or if you know anybody who would be great for the program get in touch via smallbizmatters.com.au you can find me Alexi Boyd uh, the conversation curator on LinkedIn. Thank you so much for joining me everybody and we will see you all next week.